Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to thank and pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Hello everyone and welcome to Bouncing Back, the Personal Resilience Science Insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week, we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. Let's get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome back. I'm your host, Tia Hama, and today I am joined by Jasmine Hurley, counselor, registered nurse, educator, and founder of Integrative Therapy Space. In today's episode, we are talking about depression and anxiety and how it affects our personal resilience. So let's get started. Hi, Jasmine. How are you? Hi, Tia. I'm good. Thank, Thank you, for you so me. much for being here. No, it's such a pleasure. So how did you end up in the profession that you're in, because you've got quite the title, counsellor, registered nurse, educator, like founder, like that's quite multifaceted. How sounds, did you... It sounds more impressive than it is. Um, <laughs> how did you get there? Well, I started in nursing. That was, yeah. that was the first step. Uh, and then I moved into education in the nursing space. Oh, cool. But, you know, ever since I was at school, I wanted to be a counsellor and yeah. I kind of got convinced otherwise by career advisors and yeah, people I, I knew and yeah, I, ended up, I ended up in nursing. But the passion was always there to, yeah. to work in the mental health space. Oh, so so nice. um, I decided to, to do it and, and uh, run it alongside nursing. Oh, that's amazing. So let's talk about integrative therapy space. You're the founder of this, which is a very cool thing to be able to say. What is it and what do you guys do? So it's my own private counselling practice. Yeah. And so I see clients um, as part of my practice who cool. come to me for a variety of different mental health issues. Yeah. And um, I provide counselling service to them. Yeah. Do you have like an area of expertise or specialisation or something you're particularly interested in this field? Yeah, so uh, generally, actually, anxiety and depression. So um, awesome. That's <laughs> I know. So okay. That's my area of specialty, but yeah. uh, I have a bit of a unique approach. So I'm uh, I use a lot of somatic interventions, which I'm sure we'll get to talk yeah, about. Yeah, we can talk about that. Um, but I'm studying as well. So along oh, with cool. my counselling qualification, I'm doing somatic psychotherapy. So wow. the approach is quite unique. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I really awesome. enjoy it. Yeah. Great. Oh, cool. Great. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a second. Mm-hmm. But before we do, we're going to get to know Jasmine a little bit better on a little bit more personal basis. So I'm going to ask her um, just some questions about some cool casual topics. You ready? Ready. Awesome. Okay. Let's talk about books. Mm-hmm. I love books. I am a reader. Are you a reader? I'm a reader. <gasps> yes. A big reader. Oh, that's always yep. a good answer. Yes. Do you have some favorites, some things that you love? Oh, look, you know. You can't beat Harry Potter. I oh, think no, that's really never. what got me into reading. I <laughs> yeah. think, you know, uh, when I was in primary school, they yeah. started coming out. Love the Harry Potter series. But, mm. uh, you know, in terms of, uh, I suppose, non-fiction books, I've got a few favourites. Okay. Uh, I think what I'd call a life-changing book that I've read Ooh, wow. is called The Assertiveness Workbook okay. by... Randy Patterson. Yeah. Life changing. Oh, wow. Learning about communication styles and things like that. Absolutely loved it. And there's another really great one I've read a few times, which is called When the Body Says No, The Hidden Cost yeah. of Stress. 
feel like I've heard of yeah, this. Spikeable yeah. Mate. So yeah. probably have. Yeah. Great book. Okay. Loved it. Recommend. Recommend. Oh, awesome. Look, I've got lots, but we yeah. haven't got all day. So <laughs> oh, they're cool. the topic. Would you have like a book that you would recommend to everyone just on the general? That would be the assertiveness yeah. workbook. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Oh, definitely have to give it a read. Yes. Great. You all right. Regret it. Let's talk about movies. Mm-hmm. I love this question because I'm a movie buff. It's like I've studied film. Like okay. it's, my, it's my everything. Yep. Um, but in saying that, some people it's not. Are you a TV or a movie person? Gosh, I'm probably more book person. Can I say okay. that? No, that's um, good. Look, I do like a good movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, could I pick a favourite? Probably not. I think I just watch whatever I'm in the mood for. Yeah. I used to love scary films. but Really? I can't do that. Quite like, it freaks me out. quite like Ooh. them. Um, but I couldn't, <laughs> great, I couldn't name one that I particularly enjoy. <laughs> right. um, yeah, I'm always yeah. open to anything, though. Oh, nice. Yeah. Have you seen any good stuff recently? Or just, are you one of those people who just, like, reach for the same thing? I tend to reach for the same thing. Yeah. But I'm, like okay. I said, I'm happy to I'm yeah. happy to give anything. Go. Not yes. sci-fi, though. I do draw the line there. I'm not a fan of sci-fi. Not a sci-fi movie. person. No. no. Okay. No. Yeah, look, I can kind of agree with you there. I'm, yeah, well, I probably shouldn't say that because I've got a film degree. So I'm like, <laughs> I can feel everyone who I studied with. I meet a lot of sci-fi kids. Um, but that movie's great. Cool. All right. Let's talk about role models um now obviously you know some people have famous role models Mm -hmm. a lot of people have more personal ones Mm -hmm. do you have both or do you lean towards one or the other i would rather than you know saying i have a role model i think i have certainly people that have helped shape yeah um the work that i do yeah so there's a lot of um i think people in the trauma and somatic space that i really quite admire Mm -hmm. their work um janina fisher peter levine um who else? Pat Odgen. I don't know yeah. if you know any of these names. No, I'm but, nodding my um, head like I do, but yep. <laughs> I'm not going to pretend here. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. Uh, they, they've done a lot of work in that space. Yeah, cool. And that that really yeah. is, is the premise in which I work. Oh, lot, nice. I base a lot of my work off. Yeah, so cool. I'd say that, you know, for right. model, I don't know if role model is the right word for it, yeah. but certainly. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Okay, next question is related to podcasts. Now, obviously, yep. first got to preface this. Do you listen to podcasts? <laughs> Every now and again, I do. Okay. Yep. What kind of podcasts do you listen to? I prefer uh, podcasts, ones where I can learn something. Oh, very yeah. nice. Yes. That works for us. It does. <laughs> I mean, I should say my favourite is the, you know, the Personal Resilience Science Insight <laughs> podcast. Um, first. She's not and... legally obliged to say that, by the way. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Second podcast on the list. Uh, there's actually a really good one called The Mindset Mentor yeah. by Rob Dial. Okay. And I, I like that. It's, yeah. it's, it's motivational uh, and they're short and sweet. I like those. About 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, so. nice. Perfect car trip oh, podcast. Cool. I do love, yeah, listening to them when I'm traveling. I like to listen to them when I'm on a walk yes. or anything. I can't really listen to them when I'm working out. Because I just I need like that spike of energy yeah. and if I'm listening yeah. to something <laughs> yeah like listening yeah. to something quite mundane then I'm yeah. like oh this isn't really working for me yeah um but no I love that I do love a good podcast but I love those conversational ones I like I do love the educational mm-hmm. ones I love listening to the ones about film obviously um I find those so fascinating but I can't really get into the can't get into the crime ones I tried. It's just a little bit morbid for me. I, just, I can't do it. I don't know. We have like 
We have so many psychologists on this show. Yeah. And all of them, like, without a doubt, are all like, oh, love the crime shows. Psychoanalyze <laughs> people. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, I could see. Like, if I was in that field, yeah. I, I could see how you would definitely love that. Um, <laughs> it's a bit much in my head, though. I, I, I love just, like, the chill, casual, conversational. I don't know if that has anything to do with the fact that I'm, yeah. like, odd here and learning stuff yeah. on a weekly basis, yeah. which I'm really grateful for. Yeah. I'll stick with what you like. Yeah, exactly. So last question mm-hmm. is related to courses. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a recent course you have completed or one that you're particularly proud of? Um, well, I'm currently completing okay. a somatic psychotherapy course, right. but yep. I haven't completed it. So that would be cheating in answering that question. <laughs> yeah. I'd say one that I have completed, which I loved, was... Um, I was lucky enough to do some training with Peter Levine and yeah. oh, wow, cool. it is that the training was on um, somatic interventions for chronic pain and illness. Yeah. And I absolutely loved it. It's about oh, learning how to get to cool. the root cause of yeah. of um, a lot of the, the symptoms that people experience in their body yeah. and helping them work through that and shift that. I loved it. Yeah. Was that a long course or just like a couple of days? It was a, just a short course. Yeah. It was over a number of weeks. Yeah. So cool. Oh, I, I love that. that. One. Great. Well, thank you for answering those questions. So as I already mentioned today, we're talking about depression and anxiety and how it affects our personal resilience. But before we dive into that, for our listeners, Jasmine, how would you define personal resilience? For me, when I think of personal resilience, a quote actually comes to mind and I couldn't tell you who said the quote, sorry, (laughs) but it's about being a tree and trees are firmly rooted in the ground, but they're flexible and they can bend with the wind. And if they yeah. can't bend with the wind, then they'll they'll break. Yeah. And I think when we think about personal resilience, I think it's really similar to being like a tree. It's about being able to, to sway with the ebbs and flows yeah, of life definitely. because life will throw you curveballs. Totally. Oh, yeah. Life is really windy. It is really windy. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And that's why our show is called Bouncing Back because, um, yeah, resilience is all about being resilient and being able to come back from things afterwards and bend with things and not being, you know, too stiff and having that flexibility and making sure that you have the health to be able to be that flexible. Um, So why do you think resilience is important in our lives? I think it's important because, as you said, life is always going to throw us curveballs. No one's immune to stresses Mm. in life. And so... It's important because we have to learn to flow like that tree. Yeah, exactly. With whatever life throws up. Yeah, definitely. You mentioned um, like we're not immune, mm-hmm. but a common misconception is that being resilient is being immune to stresses and mm. adversity. Mm-hmm. What do you think about this misconception? Well, I think that I, I actually think in today's society we're almost a little bit phobic of emotions that aren't happiness and joy. Yeah, definitely. And if it's sadness or grief, well, let's get rid of it, push it away quickly. Yeah. It needs to be gone. I don't want to feel it. I don't want to experience it. So, but we're never going to be immune to those things. We're always going to have periods in our life where we're Mm. experiencing grief or sadness or all the other array of uh, emotions. And so, um, you know, I I think sometimes, I've I've read a book actually um, in what I'm studying at the moment where sometimes people can think that they're really resilient and uh, and that's because they're actually a little bit numbed out to yeah. that, that array of emotion. Yeah, I can see that. Yep. Interesting. Yep. But being able to, um, what, what would you say? I suppose suffering is to feel. Yeah. 
Definitely. Yeah. Being yeah. able to sit with your emotions and yeah. recognize them is yeah. definitely a, it's a big learning curve. Yeah. I think for Huge. a lot of people, I think actually just like acknowledging yeah. that this is how you feel. Yeah. I think that's something. And yeah, I feel like Australian culture is definitely taking a, taking yeah. a hot minute for yeah. us to kind of <laughs> get to the roots of that and be like, yeah. it's okay yes. to not feel good. You don't have to feel good exactly. all the time. You don't have to be okay with everything. Yeah. Exactly. And that's okay. Yeah. We're human yeah. beings and human beings have a lot of emotions. Oh, not yeah. always happiness and joy. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. So let's get down mm-hmm to the nitty-gritty of the topic, mm-hmm. how would you define depression and then like depressive mm-hmm. disorders? So the clinical definition of depression is uh, feeling sad, having a low mood, um, feeling empty, losing your joy that you normally experience in in different things. For uh, They say almost de- nearly all day, every day for a period of two weeks. That's the clinical definition. Yeah, right. Uh, but there's lots of different types of depressive disorders. So mm. it might be postpartum depression. It could be bipolar disorder. It could be seasonal affective disorder. Yeah. So there's lots of different types of disorders, but those symptoms are sort of the overarching that you'll experience a lot of that in, in the different types of disorders. Yeah, okay. And uh, interestingly, when I was driving here today, uh, there was a, uh, something on the radio that said up to 50% of Australians will experience a mental health disorder at any point yeah. in time in their wow. life, which I thought that was quite a significant number. But yeah. the World Health Organization say that 5% of the population experience depression mm. and it's a really significant, um, it has a really significant impact on, on um, disability and uh, it's quite a large quite a large portion of the population. Yeah, definitely. That is quite a large population. Mm. Um, okay, so what would you say is the role of, personal resilience in mental health issues such as depression. Yep. So I think, like you said, no one's immune. Um, and, you know, we have a, a, a vast array of emotions. But when you are experiencing a mental health disorder, whether it be depression or anxiety, it can make uh, feeling like you're being resilient more difficult. Yeah. Um, and so I think what's important is, is just being kind to yourself and realising that, Emotions, whether they're what you'd label good or bad, they're a bit like a wave, you know, they're going to peak and then they're going to trough. Yeah. Um, and so whatever that emotion is, it is eventually going to trough and that's part of that resilience piece. And yeah. I realise I've got a lot of analogies, waves and trees. And... <laughs> no, I like it. It works and it's all natural and, yeah, it ties into the vibe. It's great. It's great. Okay, so my next question relates to anxiety and anxiety disorders but before I ask that we kind of just want to understand a little bit more what Mm -hmm. is anxiety and what does it mean yep so anxiety is a a range of symptoms right and those symptoms are really the the result of a spike in our adrenaline and cortisol in our body and that's where we get those symptoms like someone would think of when you, you mentioned anxiety, the racing heart, shaking, sweating, feeling dizzy, having headaches, all that sort of thing. That's anxiety. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And let's go back to the symptoms of depression mm-hmm. because I want to talk about sort of the similarities and differences yeah. here and sort of where that crossover is, but also how to differentiate mm-hmm. them. So what would you say are the key symptoms of depression? Key symptoms of depression is the lowness in mood, yep. lacking energy, um, losing the joy that you have 
for things that you normally find joy in. Yeah, okay. That's what you'd label as depression. Yeah, okay. So you can see that it's quite different to anxiety. Yeah. Anxiety is quite, there's a lot of adrenaline involved in there. Definitely. Whereas depression, it's almost the opposite. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Is it possible to have them at the same time? Because I hear Mm -hmm. a lot about people having anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. I have anxiety and depression. Like they seem to just sort of come. Yep. As a couple, as a or couple. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of the yeah. time, I tend to find just in my personal experience with my friends. Um, obviously, like I'm not an expert here; I'm just twenty year old with twenty year old friends. Um, but a lot of the time, people will have anxiety and then it turns mm-hmm. into depression. Can you have them together? The short answer is yes. I suppose I should explain why. So. I sometimes I'll have clients come to me who've been given a diagnosis of depression. Yeah. Um, Councils don't diagnose, but we certainly work with people with a diagnosis. But yeah. what I'd like to explore is, I don't know if anyone's ever mentioned this on a podcast before, but the window of tolerance. Okay. And I haven't so, heard of it. So the window of tolerance is, I'm sort of holding my hands up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose the podcasters yeah. who are listening, that's not helpful. But if you imagine <laughs> a piece of paper and in the middle of it, I've drawn a band. Yeah. Yeah. That's our window of tolerance and that's our ability to manage the stresses in everyday life. Yeah. But what can happen is that we can slip out of that window and we can slip up into hyperarousal, so that fight, flight or freeze, mm. and that's that's your adrenaline, right? Yeah, so that's okay. where you get those symptoms like your racing heart, shakiness, sweating, you could feel nauseous. Yeah. Whereas sometimes you can actually slip down the other way into hypoarousal, which is the other term we use is collapse. Yeah, and right. so I explore with clients whether perhaps they're in collapse, not actually depressed, because the symptoms can overlap. So when you're in a state of collapse, oh, you can okay. you can feel like you've got no energy. You can yeah. feel low and flat. And when you, you've mentioned that your friends can say sometimes they've got both. Yeah, I agree with that. But you can't have both at exactly the same moment because physiologically yeah. that would be impossible because we yeah, know that... that yeah, we know that anxiety is our nervous system, you know, being hyper-aroused. Yeah. Whereas well, you could argue that depression is that collapse, potentially, of your nervous system. So yeah. you can't have both at the same time, but you can. they certainly run, side, run alongside each other concurrently. Right, so they can coexist. They can. Yeah. And what can happen is that you can slip out of your window of tolerance into that hyper-aroused state, but that's not sustainable for, yeah. for the human body. So the natural place to go when you're up is back down. Right. So would you say, so is that collapse, like mm-hmm. the crash from coming down? Correct. Is that what that is? Correct. Right. Yeah. And it can be really okay. subtle. It's not really obvious to people all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't you know, happen yeah. you know, within an instant of each other. It might be over a yeah. period of hours or days and, and or weeks. And that's why some people can think that they have both anxiety right. and depression. But perhaps okay. I would suggest their nervous system is quite dysregulated yeah. and they might be hyper aroused and then power aroused. Right. So how can we differentiate mm-hmm. between having that just like hyper and hypo mm-hmm. arouse versus mm-hmm. having depression? I would say it's in the symptoms. Yeah. So that's how you differentiate um, the hypo and hyper arouse because you can't have both at the same time. So yeah. you differentiate it by, by, the, by the symptoms. You know that if you're hyper aroused, you're going to be experiencing the symptoms that come with a, an increase in adrenaline and cortisol yeah, compared right. to feeling like you're crashing. Yeah. Um, clinical depression, 
like I said, there's that crossover in the collapse. So the symptoms can really mimic each other. Yeah. And probably best getting a you know, diagnosis from, from a doctor mm. if, if that's the diagnosis that you're requiring. But otherwise exploring that, that collapse. And because anxiety and depression often do go hand in hand, the treatment may involve actually dealing with both. Yeah. Not just the depression. Yeah. That ties into my next question. Mm -hmm. So what can people do to treat this Mm -hmm. sort of dual diagnosis by ourselves? Now, obviously, you need like a health professional to Mm -hmm. have diagnosed you. Don't go diagnosing yourself, people. It's never a good idea. Um, But in saying that, like if you resonate with these symptoms and please go and see a health professional. Mm-hmm. Um, but for people who have been diagnosed, what can they do just on their own mm-hmm. to help treat these sort of, this yep. sort of dual coexistence? Yep. I think the first thing I'd suggest is cultivating an awareness of what's going on in your body and being kind to yourself. Because yep. as I mentioned earlier on, I think we're a little bit phobic of our emotions. Mm. I think we're a little bit phobic as well of what our body is doing. Yeah. And so... Some people can get anxious about their anxiety or depressed about their depression. So I would say noticing what's happening in your body and mm. listening to it is giving you messages. So if someone's feeling really anxious, if you tune in and ask your body for what it needs, it might need to release that anxiety. Yeah. And one of the ways you can do that is with exercise. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Good old handy Good old dandy. Dandy yeah. exercise is actually it's shifting the anxiety out of yeah. your body. To somewhere else. Yeah, it's a good release. It is. But then, so, you know, uh, deep breathing and mm. different types of breathing exercises can be really helpful for anxiety. But if your nervous system is just surging with adrenaline, breathing isn't going to work, yeah. right? So it might work when you're becoming anxious. So you stop yourself getting to yeah, that activation, right. Okay. right? So learning what works for you by listening to your body. So it's yeah. a lot about mindfulness and breathing and things like that. And a lot of people say, oh, it doesn't work. It's not going to work if yeah. you're really, really activated. Yeah. You're needing something different. So, but then, you know, if you're um, experiencing depression, you might actually need to do something to lift your energy levels Yeah, rather than calm them down. And that might be exercise as well. That's, yeah. that's another one. <laughs> Certainly not suggesting you, you have to hit the gym and, and things yeah. like that if that's not your cup of tea. But even just going for a short walk, feeling the yeah. breeze on your face, yeah. And be enough to, to lift people out. So yeah. I think becoming aware of your body, yeah, I think is really important. And of course there's the diet and mm. exercise and alcohol consumption. Yep. All the things. mindful of all, all those the good things. stuff. Yeah. All the good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So do people sort of need to aim to do these things long term before they're gonna see effects? Because obviously mm-hmm. I think like, you know, in now day and age now, we're, we're looking for a quick fix. Yeah, like I need to get rid of this yeah. right now. It needs to go. I don't have time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I've, no, I've said that to myself. I'm like, yeah. I don't have time yeah. to be anxious. I'm like, I've got to do this. I yeah. went for a walk today. Why am I feeling better? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm like, exactly. I went for a run. <laughs> yeah. All my problems should be solved. Yeah. Um, like, so what advice do you have for people in terms of like, you know, how how long should they be looking yep. at doing this for? Like how consistent do they need to be? Or is this, you know, mm-hmm. this isn't like a quick fix, yep. but obviously where is, where should they be looking? Yep. I think consistency is key. You can't just go for that one run and yep. then everything will be better. But also remembering that the longer you've experienced symptoms, um, perhaps the more likely you are to need help from a professional rather than being able to manage it on your own. Yeah. 
So if you can catch things early on and have these these things implemented already, that's really helpful. Um, but I think if you're finding that you're doing them consistently and regularly and over a period of, you know, weeks or months, it's not helping, you're feeling worse, not better. Yeah, okay. Then that's when you, I think, should consider perhaps reaching out for some more support. Yeah. What are some sort of little red flags that people can look for? Because you mentioned sort of catching it early mm-hmm. and sort of, you know, hitting it on the head before it becomes a long-term thing. Yep. What are some like little red flags that people can look for just in the daily basis, mm-hmm. just in like general, yep. um, that they can just be like, oh, okay, like I should probably do something to mm-hmm. help yep. balance this out or yep. counteract this. Yeah. Interestingly, it's often our friends and family who notice before we do, yeah, right. or at least point it out before yeah. we notice. Um, so that's that's one thing. So perhaps your family or friends might be noticing that there are changes. Yeah. Um, you might be noticing that there's changes. If things feel more difficult than they normally do, if, if things that you'd once do really without putting a lot of thought into, like going to work or, you know, going to the gym or something like that, they're starting to become challenging. Mm. They're little red flags, yeah. in my opinion, that you at least need to consider. And by creating that awareness, as I mentioned earlier, that's going to really help because when you're aware of what you're feeling and what you're experiencing, you can notice yeah. there's a change. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Would you say that it's best to go to, let's like, you know, there are different health professionals mm-hmm. to go to and that's the question I'm trying to ask is, <laughs> Is there like a specific type of health professional that people should go to? Like some people, mm-hmm. is it best to go to the doctor first or you go straight to a therapist or a counsellor? Like yeah. what kind of um, pathway would you recommend? There's no set pathway. Okay. I think people naturally tend to go to their GP first. Yeah. Uh, and GPs can do an assessment and then often uh, like a mental health care plan is written up and you're referred to a psychologist. That's the stock standard way. But that doesn't work for everyone. Mm. And you don't have to do it that way. Yeah. There are other options. You might decide just to book straight in with a counsellor, a psychologist, psychotherapist. Yeah. Some people even go more alternative. Like they might go see a naturopath or a Reiki yeah, therapist. Yeah. You know, there's so much out there. And if it gives you relief, mm. yeah, why not? Whatever you got to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, moving on. Mm-hmm. Um, what is somatic interventions? Mm-hmm. You mentioned this at the start, yep. that it was something that you were studying. Mm-hmm. So before I kind of ask you how it works, yep. can you just kind of explain <laughs> what it is? Because I like, I'm reading this question and I'm like, okay, cool. I have What's no that? idea what that is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not a lot of people know what it right. is. Okay. Somatic interventions are, it's a way of engaging the relationship between your body, your mind and your brain and your behavior. Yeah. And so as human beings, we all have experiences and, and memories, but they're stored at a cellular level. Yeah. Right. So that's why you might often hear people say, I feel anxious, but I'm not having anxious thoughts. Yeah. And that's because it's not always cognitive. It's in your body. So somatic interventions work with the body. Okay. In, I suppose, pinpointing what's happening for your body and what symptoms your body is experiencing in relation to an event or circumstance, whatever it is. Mm. And the intervention, there's so many different types, but... It might be grounding work. It might be co-regulating with your therapist. It might be boundary setting, both yeah. verbally and non-verbally. There's so many. Again, it's probably yeah. for another podcast, but <laughs> yeah. um, that's what a somatic intervention is. It's helping the person 
notice it in their body and shift it and release it Mm. so it's not causing them symptoms anymore. Yeah, that's so interesting. Mm -hmm. So you can have the anxious sort of feeling without having the thoughts. Absolutely. Oh, that's so annoying. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll give you an example, a personal example if you'd like. So um, I would say if if I'm anxious, my symptoms are not your typical. Um, I don't have, I suppose every now and again I'll get the racing heart, but typically that's not how I would experience anxiety. So I was in a um, a work situation uh, a number of years ago and at the time I was experiencing a lot of headaches Mm. and I was constantly going off to the chiropractor to get my neck cracked because I was convinced that my neck must have been misaligned (laughs) and that was causing me excruciating headaches. And actually working, and of course I wasn't getting any better, right? Right. My my spine was actually fine. But (laughs) working with a somatic therapist personally, I come to realise that by creating awareness in in my body, which is what I've been banging on about this whole podcast, (laughs) is cultivating awareness, I became aware that the headaches were actually happening every time I drove into the car park at work. Yeah, wow. Oh, my goodness. But I didn't tweak. I was convinced it was my neck. Yeah. (laughs) And with further, uh, you know, awareness and work, I realised that there was this, it was actually, I was being chronically bullied at the time Mm. by um, somebody in management. Oh, yeah. And I was not linking the two. I was not linking that I was actually really anxious, but the anxiety was coming out as a headache. Mm. So once I figured that out, I was able to work through it and, you know. Yeah. I got, I got better. That's so interesting. Yeah. yeah. I feel like we never, I don't know. I feel like just because, um, we, we feel so disconnected in terms of like the mental health and physical health yep. thing. Like we, and even though it is so interrelated, yes. like it's so integrated, it but like, I don't know why we're just humans and we like to like compartmentalize things. Yes. It's like, this is my mental health and this is my physical health. Yes. And they are two Absolutely. separate things, even though they are so connected. They are so connected. Um, which is just. Yeah. So inconvenient. <laughs> well, I see it a lot as a nurse as well. I used to have uh, yeah, yeah, wow. look after patients with yeah. these chronic physical conditions. But you see, we're working with a medical model in hospital, so mm. I certainly can't say, have you ever considered yeah. this? You know? <laughs> Whereas I, I kind of intrinsically knew if we could just maybe tap into that that other part. Wow. Yeah. You might, that, you might actually get some relief. But oh, my goodness. Anyway. Yeah. So going back to somatic mm. interventions, how does that work for mm-hmm. people with depression and anxiety? Mm-hmm. Yep. So again, depression you might actually feel in your body. Mm. And so a somatic intervention, uh, when, so I should take a step back. When I use somatic interventions, you're not just coming to see me and I give you all these exercises to do. It's talk-based therapy as well. Yeah. So um, what we call top-down, bottom-up approach. So t- top-down is that cognitive talking yeah therapy talk-based therapies bottom up is somatic intervention so you're talking to people about what's going on because we're humans and we intellectualize things and we talk yeah (laughs) so they might come in i've got this work issue i'm using myself as the example but your physical symptoms are what you work through somatically Mm. so those symptoms you experience in your body with depression you'll you'll work with, as well as any thoughts that accompany it. So you're coming from both both angles. Yeah, right. Oh, that's so interesting. Wow. Okay. So let's go into uh, the practice habit experiment mm-hmm. debrief section of the show. So I'm going to ask um, Jasmine for some more specific advice and some practices on how to deal with 
depression and depressive disorders. So what is um, like a practice mm-hmm. that you would advise people um, who are struggling with mm-hmm. depression? Again, I'd bring it back to that awareness. Yeah. Because uh, everyone's heard of mindfulness. Mindfulness can be really challenging because sometimes sitting still can be really uncomfortable. But creating awareness around what's going on for you, mm. I actually say is a form of mindfulness. Yeah. And so when you become aware, pa- paying paying attention to what's going on rather than desperately trying to push it away. So that's what a lot of us do. It's, it's mm. like human nature. Yeah. We're experiencing <laughs> something really uncomfortable, like my headaches. And oh, I've, got, I've just got to ring the Cairo and I have to go after yeah. work and get this Got to get rid of it. Right? Got to get rid of it. Can't handle it. Mm. But learning to create an awareness around it what what it does is it increases your level of distress tolerance yeah and it helps you befriend what's going on to not yeah, be right. so afraid of it because mm. i'm going to use another analogy sorry <laughs> Go but for it. you know <laughs> we love it our, <laughs> our emotions are a lot like you know if you're in the pool with a kickboard and you're pushing that board into the water mm. It's so hard. All it wants to do is just come to the surface. Oh, yeah. Come snow. back up. Hit come you in back the face. Up. Yeah. Hit you in the face. <laughs> yeah. But um, I think the more you try and push things down, yeah. the more they're going to just scream at you to pay attention. Yeah. And yeah, so definitely. I think you can take the edge off a lot of a lot of symptoms mm. by, by just being aware and befriending it. Yeah, definitely. What would you say are any challenges mm-hmm. when it comes to bringing this awareness mm. I think the challenge is that sometimes we can overanalyze. And yeah. so we become aware, but then we want to figure out why and we, we, an- <laughs> yeah. we analyze it. And Definitely. then we can start to get anxious about our anxiety. Yeah. Um, so that's what that I would say that's definitely a challenge. Mm. And I've been guilty of that too. Like, oh, I noticed this sensation. What does it mean? Why is it there? How long is it going to be there? Yeah. When is it going to go away? <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's the risk. And that's what we want to avoid doing. Yeah. yeah. But we're, we're human. Yeah, unfortunately. Do you think, um, I'm just interested to know, Mm -hmm. like do you think that social media and sort of people, you know, giving out their opinions about psychology and all this kind of stuff, do you think that's kind of perpetuated, this overanalyzing, like people Mm -hmm. looking at every little thing and being like this is what that is, it's related to this? Like do you think that's fostered that? Definitely could could have fostered that. And I think too social media often points out everything that's great about everyone's life. Yeah. And it can make people (laughs) feel really flat when they don't have that Mm. as well. So I think that there's another component to social media too. Oh, yeah, definitely. Not always healthy for us and, and, and how much we consume. Yeah, definitely. We've spoken about that um, a lot on this podcast and Mm -hmm. we did an episode last week, I think, about um, self-esteem and Mm -hmm. self-love culture and just sort of that like constant like banging on about just like positive emotions, positive emotions, just like pushing like other stuff down. Um, Yeah. So for anyone listening who's interested to hear more about that, um, then go check out the episode that I did with Aditi. She's one of my co, not co-hosts, but one of my colleagues. She hosts another show. Um, So we had her on and that was really fun. So everyone go check that out. But coming back to practices and this awareness um, practice, is this, something like how do people cultivate it like is it something that like an activity that they put aside time for or is it just sort of like daily like a progressive kind of thing I would say it's a daily progressive thing it's not something you set aside you know at 5 p.m every night I'm going to cultivate awareness it's (laughs) what I would suggest is 
is trying to to remain present and mm. do it when you notice it. If you forget, it doesn't matter. But you'll pick, you'll catch yourself mm. throughout the day, and that's the key. And just becoming aware of what's going on. If it's something's rising up within you, oh, there it is. Hello, anxiety. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I've noticed. But, yeah, you know, you can quieten down now. I've got this. Yeah. So I would say it's interwoven throughout your day rather yeah. than a set practice. Yeah. How do you think this impacts your personal resilience? I think it, it goes back to that tree, you know, yeah. <laughs> swaying, swaying in, in, in the wind. Um, yeah. I think that we can't always control what we can't actually. We can't control what happens to us in life, but yeah. we can control our reaction to it. Yeah. So I think that ties in with the resilience piece. Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, being able to be aware of yourself and your reaction and your understanding and react, mm-hmm. your reaction is just like yeah. such a key, crucial part of how you handle things. It is. Yeah. So would you recommend this practice to everyone? Absolutely, I would. Yep. yep. <laughs> it's the first thing I have clients do when they come to see me, which I'm sure they yeah. don't always um, enjoy, but yeah. um, <laughs> it, it, it is very, very helpful. Mm very very helpful so i'd recommend it to everyone yeah definitely and based on your experience mm. do you have any other recommendations of practices that you could combine with mm-hmm. this particular practice or anything to improve it uh, i think well, i've touched on the, the diet and the exercise but it, it is mm. important and and also sleep getting proper quality sleep and yeah oh my I goodness think, so important. Yeah, it is so important <laughs> but yeah it's I mean, we do it every day. We, we eat do. every day and we sleep yeah. every day. So we don't put a lot of thought into it, but it's actually yeah. really important. And I always recommend trying to get up at the same time every day. Okay. It's really helpful. Yeah. Look, if you can go to the same time, go to bed at the same time every night, that's <laughs> even better. But that's yeah. not always practical, especially if you you know do shift work and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but really being mindful of what you consume. So whether that be your food and your alcohol, but also what you're consuming in the media mm. and social media. Yeah, definitely. It all impacts. Mm. Yeah. Just going back to the sleep thing, you mentioned mm. going to sleep and waking up mm-hmm. sort of at the same time. Yep. Why is that so helpful? It, it helps our um, circadian rhythm set. So um, it's, it's, really, it's just really good for you. It, it's, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> it, just do it, guys. <laughs> do it yeah um no it, it's it's um about setting up your sleep cycle so um when you are going to bed at the same time every night your body will, will fall into that r- rhythm mm. and it will start to feel sleepy at the same time every night oh. and you'll begin to naturally Amazing. wake up at the same time yeah. every day yeah 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 oh, that's i mean great. back in caveman times that's all asleep with the sunset and yeah. wake up when it rose oh my dad you know? still does that yeah. so. <laughs> <laughs> Mine does as well, yeah. actually. Exactly. They really, oh, they, they know what they're doing. Yeah. They do. They do. My daddy's very wise. Yeah. yeah. Great. Awesome. So we're going to go mm-hmm. into uh, some questions from the audience now. So we've got a question here that is asking, are there any specific types of therapy mm-hmm. that are particularly effective in treating depression and anxiety disorders? Yep. There are so many different types of therapy and so many different types of therapists mm. as well. And just like we don't get along with everybody, we're not going to, I suppose, get along with every therapist that we we may meet. I think you're going to click and connect with one therapist more than another. Yeah, so right. I think that's something to consider and certainly something I never considered yeah, before no, becoming a therapist. Really thought about that. They're yeah. the expert. They know what they're doing. They've yeah. all got to be the same, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they're people. And I think you have to have a level of connection. And, and they say that... 
there's actually an enormous percentage, I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, but an enormous percentage of the effectiveness of therapy is actually your therapeutic relationship. Yeah, wow. So okay. if you don't get, it's not comfortable with them, yeah. it's not going to be as effective. So I think that's the first thing to just you know, be mindful of. But I would say do research. If you can, I know when you are in the midst of a crisis and you're feeling low or feeling anxious, it's difficult. But mm. there's so many different types and not one type will work for everyone. So yeah. a lot of therapies, especially that, that are funded, um, are very talk-based mm. um, and that touches the, the cognitive part of our brain. But as I've discussed, not everything is cognitive based it's yeah. often it lives in your cellular memory in your body mm. so finding a therapist that can work bottom up as well such as a somatic therapist or um, there's lots of different types of different interventions like eft that's the tapping might be effective yeah. too so it's not always just talking 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 yeah involving your body in it as well might work for people yeah it, it may not it's about finding what works for you and, and what gives you relief yeah and I think a lot of people initially go to therapy to get relief from symptoms, which absolutely makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> but with prolonged therapy, you can actually learn a lot of really crucial mm. life skills that you potentially may not have learned yeah, growing up, like yeah. your communication and your boundaries and mm. your triggers and things like that. So I'd, I'd say, you know, do a little bit of homework. Yeah, definitely. For people who are sort of scared of taking that next step yeah. in terms of they think they would definitely benefit from therapy but they're 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 scared of making that leap and making that jump Mm. what kind of advice would you have for them i'd say making the jumps that's going to be the hardest part yep right the actual therapy is nowhere near as hard as making that first (laughs) phone call yeah definitely not saying it won't be a little bit uncomfortable but you know as i said earlier you know to um what do i say (laughs) to to suffer is to feel Mm. but a, a lot of therapists these days myself included will offer a free conversation you can have 15 minutes with me on the phone and see if you like me Mm. do i have i entered this conversation with you feeling hopeful yeah then if you can do that that might be enough for you to go you know what i could speak to her again she's quite nice yeah she seems to know what she's talking about you know (laughs) i'll book in an appointment yeah yeah definitely Um, look around you know there's certainly a a number of of therapists who offer that yeah and it's a really nice way just to try before you buy yeah yeah awesome that that is really great because it is a really hard step to take to just kind of like acknowledge it I feel like that's like the biggest thing is just being like accepting that like oh I act I probably would like a little bit more help or I need a little bit more help and that's definitely yeah a huge step so exactly and I think having a therapist too that you can speak with when you first start who acknowledges that exactly what you just said acknowledges you a really big thing you just did by picking up the phone and yeah. calling me and I you know I've certainly joked more than once about this that oftentimes you're in therapy to deal with the people in your life who won't go to therapy so um you <laughs> know so true <laughs> so you know it is a huge step yeah. absolutely but it's absolutely an investment yeah in your future mental health as well and, oh, definitely. and nothing to be ashamed about yeah I think exactly all come in leaps and bounds if, yeah. if they do decide to go yeah definitely I think you've got to prioritize your mental health 
just as much as your physical health, mm-hmm. you know. If you've got a gym membership, then, yeah. like, go for your life and just, yeah, go chat to a therapist. It's yeah. always definitely worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so we're going to go into the open mic mm-hmm. section of the podcast now. So this is essentially the part of the show where the guests get to talk about anything that they're passionate about. It doesn't have to be related to the topic, um, but we often find that it is. <laughs> but it can be about anything you want to talk about. So, Jasmine, what would you like to talk about? Yeah, there's so much I could talk about. Yeah. But, you know, if I had to pick one, I I would talk about the impact of stress yeah. on healthcare professionals. I'm a, I'm a nurse. Yeah. Uh, so speaking from experience as well, healthcare professionals, those in caring professions, and you could even go so far as saying those who work in quite sort of high stakes, adrenaline fueled jobs. Mm. I think in my experience as a nurse, and I'm just speaking from my experience, they're high, they're, you're in high-pressure, high-stress environment yeah, all the time, mm-hmm. right? And if we think back to what I was saying earlier about that window of tolerance and slipping out into hyper-arousal, mm-hmm. our adrenaline surging, that's what you do at work. Yeah, right. right. And so I'm really passionate about bringing awareness to what's actually going on for many of these healthcare professionals and carers and, and people in high-stress jobs Yeah, because – Sometimes you're not able to bring yourself back into your window of tolerance just because your shift's over. Yeah. It just that adrenaline just kind of doesn't go away. No, it just yeah. kind of surges, <laughs> you know, and it stays there. Yeah. And long term can have really significant impacts on people's health. Yeah. And that's why we, we always hear the term burnout. Yes. You hear it a lot. Oh my goodness. Yeah, we've spoken right? about that so much yeah. on this show. Yeah. <laughs> and so um you know, I think I'm just one small piece in the puzzle trying mm. to create change. I think yeah. it's bigger it's bigger than me. But certainly I'm passionate about doing my part in helping people yeah. to learn to fill their own cup because for many people what they, they do is they give for a living. Mm. But it's very hard to then fill your yeah, own it cup. It's exhausting. <laughs> it does a bit, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah it really it, does. It, it is. And yeah. I think sometimes there's not a lot of opportunity to debrief or Resettle your nervous system mm. after a shift. Yeah. And you have to you have to take personal responsibility for it. The yeah. workplace isn't going to do it for you. But many people don't know how. They never learned. I never mm. did. Certainly wasn't one of my topics at uni. Do they yeah. not provide like some kind of training to be like, oh, you know, like this and that and taking care of this? And I think it's touched on very briefly. Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Did, did I ever remember it? No. Yeah. Not something particular. It was no, you know. Yeah. Um, so I think it's something that people have to work on personally. Yeah, right. And um, that's what I'm really passionate about. I mean, yeah. look, I could go on about this for hours <laughs> and hours and hours. Which no, people who great, know me know I could go really, on about it for really hours. Important. But it like is it really so is. Like yeah. it's insanely important. And I think we especially saw this over COVID. Just like how much of an effect. And it is. You're thinking about like these fields, and obviously I'm speaking from no experience here. I am not in the medical healthcare field in any way whatsoever. Um, but yeah, like these are people who are dealing with people like typically at their worst. Yes. Like you're dealing with people when they are going through yes. a terrible situation. Absolutely. And like that sounds exhausting. Yeah, it <laughs> like, is. It is. And it sounds very draining because mm-hmm. you're constantly in this environment that obviously is high pressure because you're dealing with people who it's like high stakes. Yes. It's intense. Yep. And, you know, that's 
there's not a lot of time. It sounds like you're very no, time poor. Very time poor. <laughs> very intense. I talk yeah. to my med friends and I'm just like, guys, yeah. I'm just like, that sounds, that's like, I do law, but like, that's, that's a lot, guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's intense. Mm-hmm. Um, are there like any sort of initiatives or anything that are happening at the moment to help kind of foster like people in that area to create more of a space. None that I'm aware of. Right. Doesn't okay. mean there's not though. Yeah. Um, just none that I'm aware of. Yeah. Um, so gosh, if I could start an initiative, I'd be very happy, but <laughs> I don't know how I'd do that. Um, so yeah. I think yeah, a lot of the onus is on, on individuals. Yeah. But I think as well, we don't, I mean, I certainly never had any awareness that I was in, I knew I was in a high stress job, but I certainly didn't yeah. have any awareness of, what it may be doing to my system. Yeah. Um, and the fact that it's very difficult just to come back down to your baseline just because your shift's over. Yeah. I think you stay yeah, in definitely. that hyper-aroused state a long time. Yeah, because yeah. anxiety doesn't just, like, go away. Yeah, it's like, like oh, as soon I've as off. It's, yeah. I'm in the car. It's all over now. Anxiety doesn't clock no, off. It doesn't, it doesn't just off. leave. Yeah. <laughs> no. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. No, definitely. I think it's an area that, needs to be talked about more and needs to be explored more because it's very important because these are the people who are looking after everybody. Absolutely. I think they should be looked after. You're spot on there. And, uh, you know, I think you have to care for yourself before you can really care for other people. Oh, yeah, definitely. You've really, yeah, definitely got to make sure that you're, yeah, looking after yourself. And I think you see this in parents. Like it's just, you know, like they're trying to take care of a whole other human being. (laughs) And it's just like, well, if you're not doing well and Mm -hmm. you're not healthy and you're you're not best, then, you know, your output output is not going to be as good. Exactly. Take care of yourself, people. It is very, very important. (laughs) It is very important. (laughs) Great. Well, that brings us to the end of our podcast today. Thank you so much, Jasmine, for being here. It's been such a pleasure. It has been a pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. No, Thank it's you, been Pia. great. So for those who want to find out more about you and what you do, yep. where can they go? Best place is to visit my website, www.integrativetherapyspace.com.au. Cool. And you can send me an email, send me a message via my website. Mm. I'm always happy to have a conversation with someone. Amazing. Awesome. We'll leave all of Jasmine's details in the description below. Um, And to our listeners, thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to like and subscribe and we'll see you guys next week. Thanks again, Jasmine. Thank you. You have been listening to Bouncing Back, the personal resilience science insights podcast produced by the Life Management Science Labs. Listen to episodes from LMSL's 10 Life Management Perspectives on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or other podcasting apps on your smartphone. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating our show, sharing it, and subscribing to our channel as it helps others find us and us grow to bring you more quality resources. More of our work can be found on our website at pr.lmsl.net where you can join our movement. I'm Tia Hama. Thanks for tuning in.